Good morning. Today is October 31st, and we are live for another Closet Conversations with Cody. As you can see, we have a special guest today. We have my wife. She's back this morning. We are not going to do a, a marriage one, so to speak, but I did want her to do the topic for today as far as a fresh perspective towards worship. So before we hop in and let her get started, we're going to recap what we learned yesterday. And, and really this this last couple of the, the last eight days, we've been on this idea of a fresh perspective. So bringing a new viewpoint or a, a freshened viewpoint of the things of God. And and we spoke about how, you know, Christiana has been with the Lord for a very long time. I've I've been walking with God since 2000, late 2009, early 2010, and we we feel like we can get in this routine, and, and I say routine because it's exactly that. It's it's a routine, but you're stuck in a rut, a routine, and the the idea of, of these these teachings and, and these devotions is to give you a fresh perspective of, of a new viewpoint, or maybe a viewpoint that you haven't had in a long time. It's It's like looking at you know, Christiana as, as man, she is as gorgeous today as when I met her, and she's probably even more gorgeous. It's a fresh perspective. So what we learned yesterday, we talked about a fresh perspective on the Holy Spirit, and we learned that that, that the Holy Spirit was promised to us when, when Jesus was being prepared to, to leave this world, and he is, he's a comforter for us, and, and that he, he's a guide by our side. He helps us navigate through this, this world. He, he gives us the power. We learned about that yesterday, that he comes through the power. First Corinthians 12 said he, he, came, he gives us the power of the gifts, and, and that he walks with us, and there's nowhere that we can go to, to escape the Holy Spirit. And we also talked about the idea of, you know, the Holy Spirit is there to help us walk in that holiness and walk in the purity that God has called us to. And we, we, we had that vision, the, the, yeah, the example of, of picturing the Holy Spirit as, as you're walking towards that sin or you're about to complete that sin, that the Holy Spirit is just behind you, just trying to pull you and say, no, Cody, no, Christiana, don't, don't walk towards that sin. Don't, don't go there. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's a comforter. He's a guide and he's power. So if you didn't get to watch that, it's on the podcast channel. We're on Apple iTunes. We're on the Google. We're on the Google platform of podcasts, but it's also on YouTube. So go back and, and listen to that. But this morning, what we're going to talk about is just a fresh perspective on worship. And the reason that I'm asking Christiana to do the worship is because she is a worship leader. That that's This is her gifting. One of her giftings from God is how to worship and to lead people into worship. So what better person to talk about a fresh perspective on worship than someone who does this and, and knows how to do it. So without further ado, Christiana, you have the floor. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Good morning. When Cody asked me to do this, I was like, yeah, I mean, part of me was like, oh my gosh, I do I even, what do I even say? It, I feel like worship is just kind of a natural thing that flows from inside of me. So I'm like, okay, what do I say about how to or what it is? But the Lord really put a lot of things inside of me whenever I was studying and praying about it. And I was like, man, Lord, what do you want them to know? What do you want them to hear? So 
hopefully I have something um, that will change your perspective on worship or just open your eyes to something new. So before I get started, I am going to dive into a little bit of scripture and a little bit of biblical study, but I want to tell you a little bit about me um, for a lot of people on Cody's friends list who might not know about me. So I have been singing pretty much my whole life. And, but when I was about four years old, then I started kind of raising some eyebrows and my mom was like, I don't think a four-year-old normally sings like that. So from that time, my mom has kind of helped me pursue music. And um, when I was a teenager, I pursued it, tried to pursue it professionally. I've done a lot of singing competitions. I've done the auditions. I've done, you know, whatever you can think of. Whenever you think of singing competitions, I've I've been to the auditions. I've been to those things. And the Lord's just never opened a door for those things for me. I even still have people who tell me, you know, when I sing, they're like, you need to go on that show. You need to do that thing. I'm like, yeah, maybe one day, you know, if the Lord, if the Lord sends me there. So I've, I've also recorded on albums with other people. I've written songs for albums and I've also recorded albums of my own. And I've done all of this pretty much my entire life. Um, I was raised in church. I was raised in a church of Christ. And if you don't know what a church of Christ denomination is, it's very, it's very reverent. It's very, um, they don't use any instruments in the church. They only use this instrument, their voice. And so it's all acapella all the time, every single Sunday. They don't use any instrument at all. So that's the type of church I was raised in. It was not, um, it was just very reverent. It was very peaceful. It was, you know, one of those things where you sing two or three songs out of a hymn book. So I was raised on the hymns, The and I love hymns. I love them. But when I was exposed to a more charismatic and Pentecostal worship. I was probably around the age of 12-ish, and um, a friend brought me to a youth group, and and it just kind of opened my eyes. I was like, is this allowed in church? I was kind of freaked out because I was like, oh no, they're playing drums in church. So it, it was it was really a fresh perspective, even for me at, at 12 years old, being raised in a church. But um, what I saw, I mean, it, it kind of, it kind of opened up a freedom in inside of me that I was like, okay, it doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to fit in a little box. So when I actually started leading worship, I was, I was around the same age. I think um, somebody grabbed me and pulled me up on the stage and was like, ah, you can sing, you need to start singing on the stage. And I was like, oh boy. So that started happening and, and slowly but surely God started just pulling the gifting out of me until I was around 16 and started actually leading a group of students um, in worship every week. And, and God just kind of just pulled the confidence out of me and, and started saying, it's not about you. Well, it's not about me. It's about them and it's about him. So um, the Lord has definitely placed a very specific and a very clear anointing um, and a gifting on my life as a worship leader since I was about 16 years old, he called me into leading worship. However, we must definitely be careful not to equate worship with just music and singing. Mm -hmm. Worship is so much more than just singing and music and going into a building and singing a few songs and looking pretty on a Sunday morning. It's way more than that. So let me tell you some things that I've learned over the last 29 years about worship, what it is and what it is not. 
what it is not, it is not about me. I mentioned that before. It's not about me. It is turning my affection, turning my attention, turning my adoration upward to heaven, to God for who he is, mm -hmm. not about who I am or what I can do. It's all about who he is. It is saying, you know, Lord, if you never gave me anything again, if you never blessed me ever again, I could still worship you for all of eternity for the things that you've done in the past, but more so for who you are. I could sit right here and tell God how amazing he is for who he is for the rest of eternity, even if I never got anything again, ever, if, he, if everything was taken away from me. Worship is not about receiving from God. It's not about saying, Lord, bless me. Lord, touch me. Lord, heal me. It's not even about those things. Those things come as a byproduct of worship. They come inevitably because of worship, but it is not about those things. We don't go into worship just solely asking for God, asking God to touch us, asking God to heal us. It is all about who he is. And um, even when we don't give him the things that he's worthy of or give him the praise he's worthy of, he still will give us those things, but it's not about that. That's not the why. Mm -hmm. Worship is all about him. And we have all, we've all got needs and God can and will meet those needs because it is who he is. But how much sweeter would it be if somebody that you love just came up to you and just told you how much they loved you? Just, just sat with you and was like, man, you're just so awesome. I just love you. How much sweeter would that be rather than them coming up to you and being like, Hey, I need 20 bucks. Can I have 20 bucks? Can I have, um, Hey, can I borrow your car? I love you. I mean it. You're awesome. Can I, can I do you know, how much sweeter is it just to sit and just to tell somebody how awesome they are? Mm -hmm. So here's an illustration. I know uh, Cody likes to use illustrations a lot. Um, it's, it's cool to kind of like put it into perspective in real life. So I want you to think about somebody that you love most in this entire world. Who do you love? Who's that person that you're like, man, I would take a bullet for that person. It could be a parent. It could be a child. It could be a grandparent. It could be your best friend. It could be an aunt or an uncle. I mean, who, who is that one person? I know you think of that person as soon as I said that. Do you not just love to be around them? Do you not just love to sit with them, mm -hmm. ride in the car, go have a meal, mm -hmm. you know, talk on the phone? Do you not just love that person, just being around that person, being with that person, just because they are who they are? I know I do. I definitely love that. If it's a spouse or a child, you might feel more inclined to love on them affectionately, you know, hugs and kisses and cuddles. But, um, you know, it's also telling them verbally how much you love them and how much you care about them. So I want to talk a little bit about Cody. He's done such a phenomenal job of making me feel special and adored. And he dotes on me with his words. He, you know, he knows my love languages and he just, he just pours his love on me with his words and he pours his love on me with his hugs. And he just, he plays with my hair and he'll come up and rub my back. And he knows I just, those things make me feel loved. He gives me gifts. Hello. He gives me gifts. He brings me flowers and I don't ask for those things. He just does it because he loves me. Um, he just spends time with me. So those are the type of things he does to love on me and show me attention and affection. When he loves on me unsolicited, when he loves on me and I, I don't ask him for those things, 
I am more likely to speak his love language back to him, which is word, uh, which is um, uh, acts of service. He, he's definitely is an acts of service kind of kind of guy. But um, I am more likely to speak his love language and reciprocate the love when I feel the love from him. When he just loves on me just because I am who I am, just out of the the kindness of his heart. It flows naturally when we're in a relationship with somebody to show them love in an, in a way too. With my children, you know, this is a little bit different than like a spousal relationship, but with my children, they don't got to do anything for me to love them. They don't have to do anything, but we just, we'll just run up to them and we'll just pick them up and we'll squeeze them. We'll be like, oh, I just love you so much. You know, and we'll just love them on, love on them and kiss them and, and, um, you know, till they squeal, we catch ourselves, I'll catch him. And, you know, I know he'll catch me sometimes. We'll just stare at them. I mean, they'll be doing something. We'll just stare at them and we're like you are so beautiful. You are so stunning. Oh my gosh. You are so, and we'll just tell them, we'll just lavish our love on them and tell them how incredible they are. Put little, little seed deposits of love into their spirit. Because when we start to do that, they are more likely to obey us out of love and, and not even ask questions. I mean, yes, they're children and they don't obey all the time, but they're more likely to, to just obey us out of love because they feel loved and they feel affirmed and they feel that they are loved for who they are just because we have loved them for who they are. So it's, it's no different with God. That's, that is how he originally designed relationship. That's how he designed in the garden when he walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. He designed it to be a reciprocating love of, of us loving on him, him loving on us, and us obeying out of that love for him, and him just lavishing, pouring blessings on us just because he is who he is. And it was just a constant communion and reciprocation of love. That's how it was originally designed to be and how he designed marriage, how he designed friendship, relationship with, with parents and grandparents. That's how he designed it. So that's how he wants it with him, himself, and us. So he's, he's, a, he's a fathering God. He's also a romantic God. And he, he can sweep you away with his manifested blessings and affections like Cody does for me with how much he loves me. I call these um, kisses from God. This is what I call them. And, you know, it constantly, whenever I get these things, it constantly has me just swooning and just, you know, God, you're so good. A couple examples, these might sound silly to you, but these are a couple examples of what I call kisses from God, the little touches of affection from the Lord that are just completely unsolicited. I don't ask for them. It could be seeing a rainbow. It could be somebody sending flowers or somebody sending a gift that you had no, you didn't know you were getting. It could be somebody giving you something anonymously. It could be getting a dollar bill back from the bank that says in permanent marker, you are breathtaking. It could be seeing a pot of dolphins playing out in the ocean when you're at the beach and you're like, oh, does not everybody not just do that? Oh, my God, I love dolphins. I, every single person I know does that when they see dolphins at the beach. Um, it could also be somebody handing me a hundred dollar bill when I'm grocery shopping with three kids around Christmas time and just saying, this is for those kids. It's, it's those type of things that I'm like, or do you see me and you love me? By the way, all those things have happened, just so you know. He could also send his affection just the same while I'm washing just dishes at 10 o'clock at night. And out of nowhere, I just start to weep while I'm washing dishes, soap and water all over my hands. I just weep because his presence just 
sits down on me and I can just feel his arms wrap around me and I can just feel him starting to love on me. Those are moments too where God shows his affection and he just pours his love out. And it's my response just to worship, whatever that looks like. I lower myself. I open my heart. I open my spirit. And I just simply thank him. I'm setting my mind on who he is. I'm setting my heart on who he is. Not just the things that he does for me, but who he is. He is the promise keeper. He is the healer. He is the comforter. He is the rescuer. He is the provider. He is all things good. And he is all things sweet. And he is all things beautiful. He is those things. And because of those things, it's why I worship. It's why we worship. When you know more about who God is, worship becomes less of what you do on a Sunday morning. And it becomes more of something you do every day and every moment. It's, it's not about just going somewhere in one place to meet him at a certain time to worship. In the Old Testament, it's just a little bit of backstory. If you don't know, if you aren't familiar with the Old Testament, it was very clear all the steps to take to be able to approach the meeting place, which was the tabernacle. Part of God's character is that he cannot even be in the same place, the same space as sin. He cannot. He cannot. He is all light and all good, and he cannot be a part of something that is evil. And so in the Old Testament, where we are innately sinful, we are, it's inside of us and we're sinful, we, had, we could not atone for those things, so we could not be in the same place as God at the same time. We, had, we didn't have access to that. So in order to have worship at all, the Lord's people had to jump through hoops. They had to use a middleman. They had to, um, they had to offer a sacrifice and not only just a sacrifice, it had to be a pleasing sacrifice. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Worship was at a certain place at a certain time and it couldn't, it was on a certain day and only a certain person could go in and that person had to be perfect. Just know that in order to even speak the name of God, you had to be perfect, offering a perfect sacrifice at a perfect time in a perfect place to worship a perfect God. If you weren't perfect, you had to worship at a distance. It says in Exodus 24, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of Israel's elders. You are to worship at a distance. Moses alone shall approach the Lord, but the others must not come near, and the people may not go up with him. So even God said they have to worship at a distance. But again, once you become more aware of who he is, worship starts to flow freely from the inside out. Once you realize that the old way of worship wasn't how God intended the relationship to be. Remember I said it was a, a communal relationship. It was a reciprocative, reciprocative relationship where he wanted to be close with us. He wanted to be personal and intimate. But he lost that in the garden. And so he had to set it up to where they had to worship at a distance and he had to speak with us and he had to commune with us through something else. But once you realize that that was not the way he originally intended it to be, he didn't want to require us to take 17 steps, 18 steps to go through another person to be in a relationship with him, mm. to come close to him. You start learning these things about him. He couldn't stand to be a part of us. So he chose, because this is who he is, again, this is his character. 
He chose to lower himself to our level, to lose everything that he had and the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross. And now we can choose to have God living inside of us and dwelling inside of us. So it's a constant meeting place. It's a constant meeting time. Worship becomes all day, every day. We no longer have to be perfect. We no longer have to use the middleman. We no longer have to wait for the perfect day and the perfect moment. That name is still sacred, that God is still perfect. But now he sees us through the blood of the one perfect sacrifice that he made. He sees us through Jesus. And now we can offer worship and sacrifices to him up close and personal. And the New Testament sacrifices look a little bit different. In Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise and you cannot walk past. This is such a beautiful picture. Oh gosh, this is so beautiful. This is one of my favorite verses. Once again, this is who God is. He cannot be still when he sees one of his children broken and contrite. It moves his heart to come on their behalf and to comfort them. That's just who he is. Another verse says, Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, these are some really pretty um, depictions of what a, a sacrifice looked like in the New Testament. Luke 7, 37 through 38. And again, 47, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there to an al with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, poured the perfume on them. And Jesus said in verse number 47, after some people didn't like that very much, he said to them, therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. When you have been forgiven much, you love much. She worshiped because she knew who he was. She worshiped in the response to who he was. He in turn forgave her sin. And, she, and her worship was so, so moved his heart that he act, acted and he reciprocated love. She worshiped before she was even forgiven. She, God had, Jesus had not gone on the cross at this point, but she knew in her heart who he was. And because of who he was, not for anything he did at that point, but for who he was. And because she worshiped him for who he was, he turned and then he forgave her out of the love. I mean, I've got goosebumps all over my body. The Holy Spirit is in this place. And when we capture that, when we can understand that he is good, he doesn't have to do anything, then we worship him out of that. And then he gives us, he gives us blessings. He gives us love. He gives us forgiveness. And that makes us worship him even more. My gosh, if you could just get this, you would, your heart would just explode inside of you like it is inside of me. Now, Luke 10, 38 through 42, this is the same woman, that same woman, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary. Mary was the same one who just broke the alabaster jar over his feet and worshiped him. Mary sat at his feet and listened to what he said. 
Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all of the work? Tell her to help me. She's saying, no, I'm serving you. I'm doing the good thing. Tell her to get up and help me. And Jesus just said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And even this one thing, Mary has chosen what is better. And it was, it will not be taken from her. When Mary sat before Jesus, clearly worshiping, he informed a disgruntled Martha that her sister had chosen the good part, something that would not be taken away from her. That something special was the time spent in worship. Such moments and hours are eternal. Those things can wait. Hmm. I've gone too long. I know I'm, I'm, we're like at the, you know, 20 something minute mark and I, I could talk about this forever and ever, but, um, I want to leave you with just a couple things, just a few, few little points. If you don't know God, or if you think you know him and you haven't felt in your bones just to thank him for who he is, you probably don't know him too well just yet. Get to know him. Ask him to reveal himself to you. Ask him to do that. He waits to do those things. He wants you to know who he is. He will not hide himself from you. Jeremiah 29, 12 through 14, it says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me. When you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. I will be found by you. He said that in his word. So you know what? You can take that scripture and send it to him and say, you said that you would be found. You said that if I sought you, I would find you. So Lord, I'm seeking you. So now show yourself to me. And it's his pleasure to do it. He wants to be known. If you think you know God and you think for some reason that he's a God who simply sits and allows bad things to happen to good people, or you have had a bad relational experience with somebody in your life, some human relationship, and you, you, you're trying to equate that with God and trying to equate, well, well, if this person does this, and, and if this person is in ministry, or if this person is supposed to be my father or my mother or my husband or my wife, and, there's a, and, and how is God supposed to look? What is God supposed to look like if, if this is messed up? If you think those things, you will only come to know him by seeking him. It is not even in his nature to be bad. It is not in his nature to abandon. It is not in his nature to have bad intentions, to be unloving or lacking in grace. You will come to know him if you seek him. Ask him. Search the scriptures to find out his character. Seek wisdom from people who are more knowledgeable than you about the things of God. And don't be embarrassed. Because listen. These things will only draw you closer. They will only benefit you to ask somebody, teach me about God. Teach me about who he is. Teach me about his character. Somebody help me learn because I don't want to think that God is just a kid. What did you say one time? He's a kid with a magnifying glass. Sitting on a hill. Sitting on an ant hill, trying to kill the ants. Yeah. yeah. Do you really want to live your life thinking God is like that? Or do you want to know him personally and intimately in a way that... He, you have access to him at any time and you just experience the goodness of who he is. That's the first thing. Second thing is worship is not simply what you do all dressed up for 30 minutes in the church service on a Sunday morning. 
Yes, praise and singing songs is definitely a part of worship. It's a beautiful part of the worship process on a Sunday while we come together in a congregation and we thank him together and he hears the praises of his people all together. It's it's a beautiful part of worship. Yes, but that is not what it is about. We worship him through sacrifice. We worship him through giving financially with our hearts and with our time, with our, with our, our talents and our skills. But we also worship him with relationships with other people like our spouse mm-hmm. in our marriage. We, we worship God with our marriage. We worship God in our parenting with our children, which that's a completely different um, talk, which if Cody would have me back, I might talk about that one day about parenting and, and how that's a form of worship. Um, third, and I didn't even touch on this. This is such a huge thing I didn't even touch on. Worship is a weapon. It is a weapon. Yes, it's beautiful and it's sweet and it's intimate and it's personal, but worship can also be a weapon. I I wish that I had talked a little bit more about this, but I definitely will again. It can be your shield and a weapon against the attacks of the enemy. And whenever you start to get attacked left and right and things start coming at you, those darts start coming at you and you're like, I cannot catch a break. Things just keep going from bad to worse and to worse. Then what you do You start busting out your worship and the devil cannot stand it. He cannot stand in the presence of worship. He cannot be in a place that is filled with the glory of God. He has to bow. He has to flee. So what you do when you, when you need authority over your home again, turn on some worship music, go onto YouTube, type in worship music, or I've got tons of playlists on Spotify. I've got tons of awesome, amazing, anointed worship that you can turn on into your home and you blast it throughout your house and you watch the devil run. You watch him run. It's it, you, He has to. Walking through your house, calling out the names of God, walking through your house, telling God how awesome he is. And I promise you, I can promise you, and I don't make promises. I can promise you the devil will run and God will be pleased. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Okay. Let's pray. I know you guys have to get out of here and get your day started. Um, I'm so grateful that I get to be here and do this. This has been so awesome. Thank you for letting me be here. And thank you guys for letting me come and, um, you know, talk to you guys a little bit about worship. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. I just, I can just picture your face right now with a huge smile because you're like, people have thought for so long that, that worship is just me sitting on a throne and, and just waiting, waiting, um, to, to like a, like just an obligation, feeling an obligation. And, and I'm just waiting for people to crawl to me and, and just to, to, you know, no, that's not who I am. I can just see your face because you're like, I want relationship. I want intimacy with these people. I want them to know that I have been on their level. I have experienced what they have experienced through Jesus. And now I am here for them and I just want to love on them. And, and as we learn about who you are, God, we worship you from a heart that is just grateful, just thankful. And we enter into your presence with thanksgiving and praise. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for your son and what he did on the cross. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've given to us as a guide and a comforter and and, and, and as a counselor, we thank you for those things. You didn't have to do those things and give us those things, but you did because it's who you are. God, I pray right now 
very specific prayer, God, that, that, that anybody who is watching this or under the sound of my voice right now, or they would start to be stirred to know more of who you are. They would start to be stirred in the direction of you and their hearts would ter- start turn heavenward. God, that they would start just having this craving to know who you are. They, their mind and their spirit would start to ask questions. Well, what did he do? And, and Lord, show me who you are. They would start to intentionally seek out scripture about who you are, or that you would bring people into their path to show them more of who you are, that they would come across things, your, your little kisses from heaven. They would come across those things in their day-to-day life that would show them more about who you are. And God, the more they learn, the more they fall in love. That is my prayer, Lord Jesus. That's my prayer. And out of those things come your healing, come your forgiveness, come your love and your affection and your blessings. Lord, we love you and we're so grateful. We pray against any of the attacks of, of the enemy right now. We bind them up. We cast them out into the hell, into the in hell where they belong. And we say that we have the authority. God, over this day, over this time, we have the authority. And we claim that and walk in that because of who you are and because of your son. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Christiana. So <clears throat> I forgot to mention it in the very beginning. This was our 50th closet conversation with Cody. So I wanted to, to let Christiana bring it in. And did she bring it? My goodness. So thank you so much to, to Christiana. We are talking about being back Friday morning to maybe do like a marriage, another marriage closet conversation. So we're, we're tossing that around, praying about it. But thank you so much for tuning in. Yes. It was it was definitely a fresh perspective for me, even living with a worship leader and, and you know being with you for the last nine years. It was you know I, what really got me was was Mary just at the mm-hmm. feet of Jesus. And you know when you said that that she knew and saw that he was her healer and her forgiver and her savior before he even went to the cross. I mean, it just wrecked me. And that's the purpose of this series of fresh perspective. That's the purpose of this idea of these teachings is to give us a fresh perspective and say, I've read that verse tons of times, (laughs) but I've, I've never, I've never thought of it like that. So thank you for that revelation. Uh, Another thing we wanted to do is we just wanted to pray specifically for you guys for, for tonight. Uh, you know, a lot of, of people are, are going out to celebrate Halloween and, you know, my family and I, we are going to get dressed up, but we're going to be in a very family friendly costume. And, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this, this holiday, this, it's not a holiday. You'd be very careful with that. Very careful with that. This day it is do some research. If you're interested about what Halloween stands for and where it came from, I, I have a wonderful website, but we, we're not going to get into too deep, but just know that we we are going to be interceding. We are going to be praying. It, it is it is not a day that uh, Christians should take lightly. So I, we would encourage you to pray and intercede. Mm-hmm. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Just be in a, be in a spirit of prayer today, because they're they're the the enemy is at work. This is his his day that he likes to be glorified on. And we are going to be praying, interceding, and and just just watch out for your children tonight as you're 
going around wherever you're at. Just just hold them close and know that the King of King and the Lord of Lords is right there with you. And that, that you pray that hedge of protection around you and the blood of Jesus over him. The enemy can't do anything to you. So we're going we're gonna to go ahead and close out today. We will be here tomorrow morning for Closet Conversations with Cody. Thank you for tuning in. Bye.